I didn't realize that brand partnerships were going to be such a big part of my revenue. Uh, I thought it was going to be doing coaching and selling books and everything else. But pretty soon, outside of speaking, brand partnerships became about 60% of my revenue for my fat finance. Mm -hmm. And the issue I was running into was there were certain brands that I wanted to work with that weren't approaching me. And they were like, oh, you work with a financially mindful population, a.k.a. they ain't going to spend no money over here. So I was like, okay. I need to create a separate entity where the people will spend money so I can work with the brands that are looking for people that will spend money, people who have money, people who've already made good financial decisions and they're willing to spend. So um, I just kind of took what I had done with my fab finance and used that in my personal brand, showing up consistently, documenting my lifestyle, documenting the journey, giving people opportunities to, um, I don't want to say buy in, but yeah, like buy into my experience, buy into my journey. Um, and it's been like I've successfully monetized both of my brands with brand work. So I just finished a partnership with Staples um, and, and one with One Medical. And that's my personal brand. One Medical. This year I've worked with like L'Oreal, Kiehl's. Oh. So I'm bringing in money in my personal brand. And then my fat finance, we have partnerships with Chase, Amazon, GM. Whoa. So we have like major so brand now, partnerships. Now you're bringing up the other side. Yeah. Welcome to another episode of First Generation Wealth Builders. Today, today, I got my friend and homie, mastermind, just like superwoman in the building, Miss Tanya Rapley. Hey, Eric. How you doing? How you doing? I'm good. I'm good. I was, uh, we was talking before this, and my goal is to really discover and get to know you because you're a dope super entrepreneur out here doing Thank super you. dope things. And man, like... Here on the podcast, basically, my goal is to find out, um, interview dope people who do dope things in their relationship to real estate. Mm, yeah. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. we go. Yeah. And it's timely because I actually just posted this morning that, like, one year of paying our mortgages entrepreneurs. Dope. Like, that was our first step. Dope. So. And then basically, we've talked. Yes. About your interest in. Investing. I mean, you're my mentor in real estate. You don't even know it. You're like, yes, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I'm here for you. I'm here for you. So, man, for those who don't know, tell us who is Tanya. Yeah. Um, as you said, I'm a multi passionate entrepreneur. I am a mother. I'm a wife. I came from a military background, worked in nonprofit before becoming an entrepreneur, started my business in the financial education space. And then use that as my bridge to my other interests and my other opportunities. So that really bought me my freedom. And now I, you know, explore whatever I'm interested in. If I want to do this for a little bit, we're going to do this for a little bit because there are no limits. Oh, I love it. I love it. I love it. Where are you from originally? That's an interesting question. So my parents were in the military. Mm -hmm. So I was raised between Oklahoma City, Oklahoma and um, North Carolina, Charlotte, North Carolina. But I went to college and I lived in North Carolina for about four and a half, five years, mm -hmm. and then went to college in Miami, Florida, lived in Miami, Florida, and then moved to New York City. Gotcha. And I lived in New York City for nine years. So I lived in New York City longer than anywhere that I've lived. So I truly am like a citizen of, I guess, you, the United States. I've lived in so many places. Yeah. Citizen. <laughs> citizen of the United States, really, because I've lived in so many different places. I always say that... Um, Charlotte, North Carolina made me, but, like, New York City grew me. Mm. New York City definitely, like, matured me and grew me. So a lot of people say, like, if you can make it in New York, you can make it anywhere. That's the, I mean, maybe because I lived there and I bought into it, mm -hmm. but I honestly believe that after I built my business in New York and became a full-time entrepreneur in New York, I really was like, put me anywhere. Put me anywhere. Not necessarily Grant Cardone level just yet. Like, you ain't going to drop me just in yet. Wyoming, like, or and I'm going to figure it out. But um, we moved to L.A. after New York City, and I was like, we ready. Like, yes. That's like hot and cold, isn't it? Yeah. And then when we moved to Atlanta, I was like. Too easy. Too easy. Uh, too easy. Yeah. Got you. Got you. So, like, tell me about, like, your transition out of college. Mm. What was that like? Transition out of college. So my parents both were military. My mom and dad were career military. So they both retired out the military. Um, it was really focused on go get a good government job. So my undergrad degree was public administration because my thought was that I was going to become a foreign services officer. 
And so I ended up graduating, and at that time, I was also in an abusive relationship. Gotcha. Where'd you go to school at real quick? Florida International University okay, gotcha. in Miami. Okay. So I um, I was in that abusive relationship, and when I left that relationship, I went home. Like I went home to regroup. My last year was when I ended up finally leaving that relationship. Went home for a couple of months to regroup and worked in a call center uh, for a telecommunications company. And I worked as a um, purchasing agent for a seafood distributor. So none of this was in nonprofit. None of this was foreign service officer related. But I was just trying to figure it out because I graduated at the height of the recession. Like 2007 was when I graduated from college. Recession happened in 2008. So like not the height, but leading up to the height of the recession. So I ended up losing my first two jobs out of college. Like got laid off from the food purchaser job, got another job. Um, as an inventory analyst for the Lowe's Home Improvement Stores, got fired from that job. That's the only job I've ever been fired from. Mm -hmm. Got fired from that job because I was traveling to New York City um, and we could work from home one day a week and they didn't want us to work out of state. They like actually were tracking our computers and I didn't know that. Oh wow. So they I came I had just gotten a raise and everything and they were like, so you were in New York City and working and didn't tell us so we're going to have to let you go. But it's the best thing that could have happened to me because mm-hmm. I ended up leaving that, taking that unemployment and moving to New York City with $500 in my bank account. You going to New York, you you probably can't even buy lunch for $500 in New York with $500. Listen, I did. Like, and you know, when <laughs> I think about what I made work, um, I don't ever want to be back in that place again. <laughs> ever. <laughs> like, I understand. I, like, you got trauma. And I enjoy, I actually, like, I was living my life, but I just look at what my overhead is now compared to then and how convenient my life is. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people ask me what led me to become a financial educator, what led me to my journey, and it was because I don't like being inconvenienced. I like an inconvenient. I like a convenient life. So I'll spend mm-hmm. more money for convenience. I love Like, that. I'm not the person who's going to be driving, like, when I started my Fed Finance, I remember a lot of people were like on that frugal dumpster diving. I'm going to drive across town to save some money on gas. Mm-hmm. That was never my MO, ever. Mm-hmm. Mine was just like, I want to have enough money to do what I want to do and live how I want to live. And mm-hmm. I want to make the right financial decisions to get me there. Got you. Yeah. So, so take take me into that. Like, so you move to New York with 500 bucks. Mm-hmm. What's the next move? Like, like, what's going on? I got a nonprofit job. Nonprofit job um, that was toxic, toxic. Like you would think that my previous jobs in the for-profit sector were toxic, but that nonprofit job was like I would be outside listening to like Mob Deep going in because it really felt like I was listening to Mob Deep Hell on Earth going into work because it was like we are going into battle today. Like what does she have for us? It was awful. Um, It was. I would be outside crying. I called my mom, like, because it was the type of boss who would send us like emails before we even got into the office. Mm-hmm. Just set the tone before we got there. Like it's about to be a fucked up day. And we're like, God. Um, so I got that job, ended up working there and started my business, my nonprofit then. And started my company, My Fat Finance, then while working there. So what was Fat Finance? My Fat Finance started out as a blog. Started out as like an accountability partner for me improving my finances. Then I went to this financial blogger conference. And a woman on the panel said she made $35,000 that month. Mm. I was like, I'm making $37,000 a year. Let me figure this thing out. Mm. What, before you go too far, what kind of like like stimulated that idea? My Fat Finance? Mm-hmm. So My Fat Finance started, um, I tried to get an apartment in New York City. And they told me I needed a guarantor that made 80, 80 times my rent. 80 times. Who? Where? Who? Who? My mom was like, yeah, that's not us. Um, That was discrimination. Yeah, my mom was like, that's not us. So I was like, you need to get your credit together. And it was because I had bad credit um, from being in my abusive relationship. I actually had good credit before I met my um, my abusive ex. But... um, like just made a lot of finan- bad financial decisions Understood. and the bills were all on me. And so I was like, I need to untangle this mess that I got myself into so that I can get my own place. So that was one of the reasons I started my fat finance. And then also, um, I almost got into a fight with one of my roommates. You don't look like a fighter. I know, I know. It's the Gemini. <laughs> um, I almost got into a fight with one of my roommates and I was talking to my sister and she's like, you two grown to have roommates anyway. And I was like, my sister's younger than me. Like, at this point, she's, like, maybe 23. I was like, what? And I was like, you know what? She's actually kind of right, though. Just go get your own place. And you aren't getting your own place because your credit is messed up. Let's fix that. 
And so my Fat Finance was me like documenting my journey to improving my credit score to 750 by the time I turned 30 years old. That was my goal. And I wanted to get free clothes from Macy's. Mm. That was all I wanted was good credit and free clothes from Macy's. Gosh. And (laughs) ended up getting a business out of it. Ended up, like, I went to that conference and the woman was talking about, like, different ways she was making money. I was like, I'm going to get a business coach. I'm going to figure out how to do this. Mm. And that was 2000, and that was 2014. Okay. It was September of 2014. I went to that conference. I quit my job September of 2015. Took me a year. Awesome. Took me a year. Awesome. Have you had a job since? It depends on what one defines as a job. Okay. Because now my income streams with MyFab Finance um, largely are brand partnerships. Gotcha. And that sometimes can feel like a job because I am answering to someone. Understood. But I am still able to decide whether I want to take the partnership. I am able to, I can put my foot down and say, like, no, I don't want to create content in this manner. I'm not available to shoot at this time. So they do still have to bend to my whims. Um, but no, and I, I don't foresee myself going back to work because at this point, nobody can afford me. You're unemployable. Huh? I'm unemployable and I'm unemployable because no one can afford me. And the way that the work structure is set up, I'm not buying back into that. I'm not like, I'm about to sit in your office and hope I can make a hundred thousand dollars a year mm. when I can make a hundred thousand dollars without leaving my house. Mm. No. Speak, sis. All right. So what's the next endeavor that you dive into? After I started my Fed Finance? Yeah. There were a few things along the way. Um, I was part of a, um, I ended up joining up with some people on a fintech startup. That kind of didn't get legs because we realized we didn't have a minimal viable product. Mm-hmm. Um, so we decided to close that. I was the co-founder of a cannabis startup called Canaclusive. Gotcha. With the goal of driving diversity and inclusion Hold in the on, cannabis Tanya, space. you be blowing leaves. <laughs> 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 Classic. I uh, love it. <laughs> um, so can I, I'm not, This is a safe space. Thank you. This is not toxic. We can talk this. <laughs> <laughs> So, um, can inclusive. I mean, I lived in L.A. Hey, man, I lived I'm not in L.A. You. I'm just um, like, okay. I, and I'm I like, I don't like nobody can judge me because I'm about my business. I, like, I, my 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 family's is, happy. If you're judging us, judge your mama. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go. So, um, can inclusive was a. It is. It's still around and it's doing really well. Um, I was a co-founder of that, and so we wanted to drive diversity and inclusion in the cannabis space because a lot of times when we looked at imagery of people who consume cannabis. It was like Snoop or like they just had a bad representation of what cannabis consumers look like. And we're like, no, we're professional. We're about our business. We're family oriented. And so um, came in as a uh, co-founder of Canaclusive. But that was starting to mess with my finance money because mm-hmm. as like finance partners, they bet you like especially my brand partnerships. Mm-hmm. At this point, my brand partnerships are like $85,000 brand partnerships. And they're coming and saying we might not be able to work with you because of your work in the cannabis space. It's still a schedule one drug. And so I was like, y'all, I'm stepping back because there's not enough money in this for me to mess up my money. Uh, so Canaclusive is still around. Um, my co-founder, Mary Pryor, is doing excellent work with it. Awesome. But I decided to step away from that, focused on my fat finance for a while, had my son, and then we purchased an e-commerce business, Club Lufa. Got you. Man, coming into this mic, I ain't know we was about to go talk to the plug, my guy. <laughs> like, like I know some hey, things and I know some people. Hey, we gonna title this joint the plug. <laughs> you know, put a little weed leaf on the bottom. <laughs> like, you will not do that to my podcast. <laughs> like, like, you know what I'm saying? We, we then we gonna start it off with a little clip hook. Say, judge your mama. They'll put that. That when the brand sponsors come through, like no, like ooh. All right, let's, let's, so so then you you purchase the company. Yeah. So, all right, tell, tell us about that. So, you know, I wanted to, my fat finance is a service-based business. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to have a product-based business, but I didn't want to start it from scratch. And so Why? I just didn't want to do the work. I did not want to do the work to start something from scratch. Just like put me in, put like plug me in. So where did you discover this company? Shopify Exchange. Got a lot you. of people don't realize Shopify Exchange, for people who want to sell their Shopify store, they can list it on the Shopify Exchange. So this person had listed their store, and they were actually located in California. They were selling the inventory and everything. So we bought the cl- the company for under $10,000. Wow. Um, all the inventory and everything. What was the revenue, the yearly revenue for the company? Uh, at that point, the yearly revenue, I want to say, was like 36000 And the EBITDA was? Do you remember? I'm sorry? The EBITDA? I don't know what EBITDA is. So EBITDA is like their, how they evaluate companies. 
It's okay. This ain't this ain't. See, but class. that's that's what that's things I need to learn because I got into it. I was like, y'all got subscriptions. Cool. What's the revenue? Cool. All right, let's do this. What's There's the a lot more like? questions. Huh? What are their margins like? The margins, see, that's the thing. Their margins were terrible. Okay. And that's one of the things that we've been working on the company is increasing the AOV. Gotcha. Because they, um, it's a great concept. It What's the is, AOV for those listening? So average order value. Understood. So the average order value, that also helps dictate your margins per order. Okay. Because... Um, it's a loofah, and so it's a very low-priced item, our bass sponges and everything else. But they were selling these loofahs for four ninety nine, mm-hmm. with free shipping. Mm-hmm. Like, at this point, free shipping is... Was eating, was eating up the profit. So that was one of the first things we did is we started charging shipping for, gotcha. the, um, for the products. Did, and the, did the people... Did that cause resistance in the orders? So we did grandfather new people, um, the existing customers in. We Understood. grandfathered existing customers in, but anybody else coming in was going to be charged for shipping. When did you purchase this? I purchased a company... 2019, November 2019, because it was a week of my son's first birthday. Got you, got you. All right. So how's that experience been with that? Mm-hmm. Have you been able to grow it? What were some of your challenges? Yeah, we've been able to grow it. We definitely have um, grown it. I know like last year, I mean, our profit, we increased profit by like 200% um, last oh. year around Black Friday, like around December. Um, it's been, it's fun because I get to shop, I get to buy things, I get to sell it to my consumers. I'm learning. It has stretched me to a different area of my brain. And I also feel like there's seasons in my businesses that I focus on different businesses. So at that point, my fat finance was kind of operating on autopilot. And so I was able to focus on Club Lufa for about three months consistently. But then my fat finance coming around, I decided to change some things up with my fat finance. So that took the focus. And then my husband, we purchased a company together. So he took the lead. In Club Lufa. Um, right now, we're in a kind of in the space where he's back taking the lead with Club Lufa as we roll out our new body care products because we want to increase our average order value. So we're adding body care products to it, adding bundles and different things that will push that average order value up and thinking about our sales strategy. Okay. So it's definitely stretched a different side of my brain. Like doing customer service on a Physical product is different from customer service on a service or digital product. Because if a digital product, here, let me just email it to you. Right. Physical product, they want you to go track it down with USPS. It's like, whose responsibility is this? I delivered it to the post office. Right. We we got it to the post office. That's right. your post office. Your energy changed. Where do we eat at, bro? <laughs> <laughs> it's, 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 you know, so I, I also realized that I took myself out of the customer service flow. I hired a customer service representative gotcha. to take me out because every morning I was like, bro, what's the problem today? What's the problem today? Who complained about their $4.99 product today? Um, yeah, but it is a learning lesson, and I'm looking forward to expanding it and growing it. Got you. I think we're in the same place because um, I have an e-commerce business. Uh-huh. Um, and, and so I, But you've made millions. We're we not the same. Stop that. Stop that. We're not the same. <laughs> but, but but I have a team. You yeah. know what I mean? So uh, you do have to have those people in place to kind of service, um, to, 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 to obtain that retention and make sure that the customer experience is good. Because mm-hmm. things do happen. And unfortunately, we're not part of UPS, but they do affect our business. They do. So and you do prices got, go up. Man. Yeah, yeah, I got so. an email this morning about postage increasing. Mm-hmm. But so anybody who is wondering whether, you know, the grass is greener on the e-commerce side or service-based side, having done both, I do prefer service-based. Mm. Um, it's more challenging to scale service-based if you don't have the right structures in place or the right Facts. format for your business. But I like convenience. Service-based is very convenient for me. Understood. e-commerce like you gotta if you don't drop ship you hold an inventory mm-hmm. you know you're dealing with sources literally last night i was placing orders for our new washcloths i'm like i just want to go to sleep so oh you ain't want to shop last night i ain't want to shop last night i did it i did enough i just came off a three-week vacation tanya i, did I ain't gonna let this go but you should have hit the blunt before shopping and you've been cool <laughs> <laughs> you know, done. and it changed. You, I my relationship to smoking did change when I had my son, um, because you know anybody who's had a newborn, you gotta be like, like up. And my so I do prefer sativas. I am a sativa consumer. Um, and then when we left LA, like the, it's just different. It's gotcha. here. It's like, well, it's not necessarily legal in Georgia. So explaining this, I love the fact that you're being so vulnerable with me right now. I really do. <laughs> I mean, like, and explaining to somebody, hey, do you have like the Clementine strain? Because that's my favorite one. They're like, the what? Girl, I got this Kush. I got like, <laughs> get your weed bougie self out of here. So it's very different. Oh, it's very different. Yeah. Got you. Got you. Now, so d- during this time, are you in New York or LA? I'm in 
um, when, when you we acquired when we bought the business. Club Lufa, yes. we were in LA. Got you. All right. Tell me about, why, why, why did you make the move to LA? LA, I wanted to change the scenery. New York, I love, I love the energy of New York, but the energy of New York becomes exhausting, especially mm. for someone who is from the South or um, I just, I wanted to ride in my own car. And I have my own car in New York, but riding That's in different. the riding in the streets of New York is not like driving down the highway. Um, and I just got tired of being cold. Honestly, I was mm. like, it's cold. The people, the energy of New York was starting to weigh on me. I've always wanted to live in California. Let's just go. We can go. Let's just go. My husband is in film and entertainment. So we looked at different areas and different markets that he could work in. L.A. was a good move because he was already working in like L.A. quite consistently. Awesome. So we just picked up and moved. Got you, got you. What 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 area? We lived in Inglewood. Okay, got you, got yeah. you. All right. I always like we went to LA and we looked at a, a bunch of different areas, and I was like, I can always drive to Bougie, LA. Like mm -hmm. I can always drive to that, mm -hmm. but I want my neighbors to be like folks. I want my neighbor like my. We had like down the street, down the hall. We see like the OGs and everything else. Like my neighbors were like LA. Residents. Tanya, I wasn't ready for this. I'm be really? honest with you. You already talking about Crips and Bloods low key. No, 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 no. I was no. not ready. I didn't know you were stuck down. No, I you know, but that's one thing I loved about LA when we first got there. You know, I'd be at the gym working out and everything, and like somebody would come up to you and they have the most manners, but you know they bang. You'd be like, I know you bang, but you are very cordial. <laughs> I, I really enjoyed LA. We actually lived um not far from like we were off of La Brea near Centinella. Um, and right across from like Ladera Heights in that area. And it was actually on uh, Slauson, near Slauson mm -hmm. too. And when I moved to LA was actually when I started listening to Nipsey mm -hmm. because it's like, you can't be in LA. You mm -hmm. can't be in that area. You can't be like basically off of Slauson and not listen to Nip. Like, right, 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 right. And, um, it was a, you know, it was, I think at every place I've lived has shaped me to an extent in LA. Definitely. Even though I was only there for three years. Got you. And so when did you come to Atlanta? Last year, we bought our house sight unseen during the pandemic. Sight unseen. Mm -hmm. We um, pandemic hit. Being entrepreneurs, we didn't know what was going to happen to our money. Understood. Our contracts. It was like our finances are good now. Our taxes are good now. Let's go ahead and apply for a mortgage. Got approved for our mortgage. They said you got three months. I was like, we buying a house in these three months because we don't know what's going to happen. Got you. Um, and we knew we would pay our mortgage, so we ended up buying our house. We didn't see it. We only did a Facetime tour. And it was mm. crazy trying to get houses during that time. Like, tell me about how you felt doing that. You know, I'm a risky person. Okay. okay. You know, so I was like, we don't like it, we can sell it. Like, <laughs> it's we, ain't, process, we ain't stuck, but right. we aren't stuck. Right. I can rent it out. There's other things. So I was like, let's like just, that. because our goal initially was to come look at areas, but I knew the, the area I moved to, I knew I wanted to live there. I okay. knew I visited a friend there, so I knew I wanted to buy a house in that area. Understood. You know, Google Earthed it, walked around the neighborhood with Google Earth. I was like, just go ahead and buy the house. Okay. And we're really happy with our house. There's certain things I would do differently, like I would get a basement. Before we get into it, though, uh -huh. just as a real estate investor, you know you can do the same thing to acquire real estate like that. Yes. And especially um, when you're out of state. But the one thing you want to make sure when you Google Earth, though, you have to hit, you know how you take the little man and put it on the road? Yes. All right, cool. All right, so when you put the little man on there, and I, they're they're probably thinking I'm going to some BS, but you really grab the little man and put him on the road, and you can walk. Like, you can actually walk him. Mm -hmm. So when you do that, you have to hit the left corner, and you'll be able to hit a timeline. Because you have to make sure that oh. when you're looking at the home, you're not looking at a picture from 2016. Oh, so and you can see the development and everything 100%. else. 100%. So that's a strategy that you have to, when you when you Google Earth houses, on, um, when you're searching, yeah. the one thing you want to make sure, though, that you look at the timeline and you look at when's the last time the Google car went around there. Oh, my goodness. Mm -hmm. Do they let you see different times of day, too? Yeah, uh, yes. They let you see what, different years. Yeah, yeah. So, so you can, can see what type of development is happening. You can see exactly. what's happening with the community and everything. In most cases, you could see it every like two to three years. And but you want to pay attention. I don't know why I've been more hesitant to buy a real estate investment side unseen than I was about my house. Like now, you know. I want to say a joke, but I'm not. Um, so we gonna keep. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So you come back. You in the A. You get settled. Mm -hmm. um, what's, what, what, what type of businesses are you into right now? What, what, what you got going on? So right now, my fat Finance is one of my core businesses. Um, launched my personal brand. Because one of the things I realized with my fat Finance, well, I started my personal brand before I had my son. 
Um, and everything is done with intention. I was like, I know my audience is not going to necessarily care about my entire pregnancy journey necessarily if they're here for finance, but some people are bought into me as a brand. Mm -hmm. And I also like didn't want to pay for a lot of stuff when my when I was pregnant. My son I was like, I'm not paying for my stroller. I'm not paying for my crib. Brands are going to send me this stuff. So I started my personal brand for that purpose. But now it's grown into a space for where I can share more about the behind the scenes as an entrepreneur, as a mompreneur, and designing a life that you love. Mm -hmm. Because teaching personal finance, I met a lot of people who were so hyper-focused on their financial goals mm -hmm. that they lost sight of what made them happy. Mm -hmm. like now they have all this money and they don't know what they're passionate about. Mm -hmm. They've been living on other people's timelines. Mm -hmm. They haven't really focused in on what would I do if I if money wasn't an option for me. Mm -hmm. So I've created a platform that allows women to design their lives and design like what I want it to look like. How am I being intentional? Do I want a nanny? Do I want a chef? What do I want? And like outside of what everyone has told me is possible, what do I want if someone, like if anything was possible? Mm. So that's what I've been focused on, on my personal brand. So uh, we just launched our first 30-day cohort in that, and it's been amazing. Dope. Congratulations. Amazing. Thank you. Congratulations. Thank you. So, so tell us about that. Tell us about the 30-day cohort. Tell yeah, us. it's a 30-day shift because if, if anybody has watched this, I've made a lot of life shifts, whether okay. it was moving and everything else. And so it's helping people plan their next shift powerfully. So that is getting clear on your core values, clearing out some of the clutter and creating a new foundation for you to build on and then taking action, like saying what you want and starting to take action on what you want. Because I think a, a shortcoming of a lot of these like new year or empowerment events is they get you thinking and they motivate you, but they don't create space for you to take action. So it is taking action and building that momentum so that after the 30 days, you have started to start, set the progress and set the tone for what you want for your life. Got you, got you. I want to go back to then go forward. Mm -hmm. One thing that I heard you say, but I didn't want to interrupt, you know, you talk a lot about personal brand. Mm -hmm. Then you was just like, I'm not paying for the crib, I'm not paying for that. Mm -hmm. Tell me about, like, that process because um, I'm expecting a child yeah. and I already bought the crib and I bought that. <laughs> and so maybe, like, you know, if you're listening, you can sponsor me and I, you know, and, you know, but, but, but tell me about that. Like, you know, how did that start? How did you tap into to other brands supporting and sponsoring you as a yeah. mompreneur? So when I started MyFab Finance, I didn't realize that brand partnerships were going to be such a big part of my revenue. Um, I thought it was going to be doing coaching and selling books and everything else. But pretty soon, out, outside of speaking, brand partnerships became about 60% of my revenue for MyFab Finance. And the issue I was running into was there were certain brands that I wanted to work with that weren't approaching me. And they were like, oh, you work with a financially mindful population, I mean, a.k.a. they ain't going to spend no money over here. So I was like, okay, I need to create a separate entity where the people will spend money. So I can work with the brands that are looking for people that will spend money, people who have money, people who've already made good financial decisions and they're willing to spend. So um, I just kind of took what I had done with my fab finance and use that in my personal brand, showing up consistently, documenting my lifestyle, documenting the journey, giving people opportunities to, um, I don't want to say buy in, but yeah, like buy into my experience, buy into my journey. Um, and it's been like, I've successfully monetized both of my brands with brand work. So I just finished a partnership with Staples um, and, and one with One Medical, and that's my personal brand. One Medical, this year I've worked with like L'Oreal, Kiehl's, oh. So I'm bringing in money in my personal brand. And then MyFab Finance, we have partnerships with Chase, Amazon, GM. Whoa. So we have, like, major brand so now, partnerships. Now you're bringing out the other side. Yeah. And that's why I'm, like, mindful of what I reveal. Because it's kind of like, I can... Everything isn't for every audience. Everything isn't for everything. And I'm not going to mess up my brand partnership. No, no, no doubt. Now, I will say this, though. Like, you said Chase, Amazon. Like, those are heavy accounts. Those are not... I can't walk in at Chase and say, sponsor me. Yeah. Um, do you have an agent? I do. I have an agent. Understood. A lot of times brands will approach me okay. um, because that's like they know to work with influencers. They know that our audience trusts us more than if they just promote it. And we also have a different content lens of how we would promote the information to our audience. So I do have an agent. We work two ways. If he brings a partner to me, he gets more percentage. If I bring it to him to negotiate, he gets a lesser percentage because I brought the deal to the table. Right. But my agent, I've seen my agent take deals that were like, they tried to come in like, okay, we have like 7,500 for this. And he's like, next thing you know, he's like, okay, I got 55K out of him. I'm like, well done. Well done, Adam. Um, <laughs> and so it's Big been- Big shout out to Adam. Yeah, Adam Adam works hard. Um, he has other people that he represents. Gotcha. And, but I'm not with a large, like some people work with these big, mm -hmm. big agencies. 
he's like a more boutique agent. And mm. I love that because I've been working with him for four years now. And, you know, he's been each step of the way. And we have that honesty with each other. And, he, you know, there's that's that's, you know, it's been a good year. Last mm-hmm. year was a good year. He sent me a bottle of Dom this year. We're definitely going to do just in brand partnerships, probably together, over seven hundred thousand in brand partnerships together. That's so, different. Yeah. So that's he, I, what you sending me this year, Adam? Hey, what that's what I want to know. Hey, when we get this link, we gonna send it directly to Adam. You know <laughs> yes, but he no, he's awesome. I've actually introduced him to other people because I don't. There's a power in allowing someone else who knows the market to advocate for you, mm. and there is like. They do all the, I don't want to say the dirty work, mm-hmm. but they go in and be like, no, absolutely not. And then you get to show up and be like, so how's everybody doing? I'm ready. Let's go. Let's go ahead and tape. Um, so I like having that separation too, because I'm not the one who has to show up and just like knock people around. Mm. Adam does that for me. And that's then beautiful. I step in. So who would you encourage, you know, that's listening to to take that avenue to start towards building a brand? Because it's not for everybody, right? It's not. You know, it's not. What type of individual should like, Take that avenue because obviously you're doing well with it, and that's inspiring. You know the growth that you're talking about. Like who who should type ta- ta- you know, like kind of like visit that area. Um, you know it's not for everybody. Um, I feel like I'm able to be my authentic self, and that appeals to brands. But there are some people who like. I mean, I'm also kind of still a safe choice. Every now and again, I get off of script, um, but I'm still kind of a safe choice. So you have to decide, do you want your life to be scrutinized by a potential brand partner? Because they are going to do their research on you. I remember I was doing a partnership with um, a major insurance company, and they were like, we got to do a background check. Like, they had to look through all my stuff and everything, search my, my... And I've had... I've lost brand deals because they're like, yeah, she posted this, and we didn't like that. Like, I was around the election, and I posted... I think I was going to go to a doctor... And I found out he was a Trump supporter. And I tweeted, I was like, yeah, that man was gonna, probably going to try to kill me. And like, they were like, so we can't work with her because she tweets things like this. And I was like, okay, cool. You know, but you have to be mindful. Like if you, with brand work, then you know they're really going to look at how you're showing up online. So. I appreciate that you can still just look at it as criticism. Yeah. You know, to, to, to better yourself. Yeah, you know? and I was just like, cool. Mm-hmm. That was the truth. I mean, at least you stand... You got to still stand on your two to- uh, 10 toes. You know yeah. I mean? there, there it is. So with that, and then, you know, you build to it. You build mm-hmm. your brand partnership experience. Like some people, I think they want to jump out the gate. Like, okay, first brand partner, I want $15,000. Sometimes you got to show them what you're capable of and do 1500 and blow that out the water like they're paying you $15,000 and then work your way up, build your audience. So it's not necessarily the fast play, but if someone already has an audience, then, you know, maybe look at things like who would be willing to sponsor content on my platform or who could benefit from aligning themselves with me. Got you. So my takeaway is also, you know, from hearing you speak, it's also as you are progressing as an individual, one, documented, two, understand your audience, therefore that you understand what type of value you're giving the brand. Yes. Understand your audience at all times. Understand your audience at all mm-hmm. times because then there'll be brand partnerships that might not be in alignment with your audience. I've turned a lot of things down like that just doesn't make sense for us. It's, it's a paycheck, but it doesn't make sense for us. So it's that um, and it's being consistent. You can't post once a week and think you're going to be a solid brand partner. Mm-hmm. They want to see you creating content regularly because that's what they're paying you for, essentially, is content creation. Got you, got you. Where's most of, like, your content and you know, your following held at? Instagram. Understood. And I've tried to diversify into other things, but I just don't have the bandwidth. Mm-hmm. I want to be on LinkedIn. I don't have the bandwidth. I want to do TikToks. They trying to get me on TikTok. I just be like, brother, y'all know how exhausted I am. Like, honestly, <laughs> I did just hire someone, though, who... She writes out all of my TikTok content, like writes literally out. to the point where I just got to record it. Got you. And she, I, I record the video, send it to her. She edits it, puts the words in it, everything, and then sends a finished file back to me. Tanya, you are the down for you queen. I, I'm, I have a nanny Ain't who no wrong with cooks five, like three meals a day for me, five days a week. Um, the only thing I haven't automated is my laundry. And I'm about ready to go back to the days of like when I lived in New York, I would just drop my laundry up and wash and fold. And I'm ready to do that. I'm ready to go back to that. So a lot of people would be like, uh, must be nice. I don't have the money to do that. Mm. Um, Cause I did that before mm. I have had a chef and I, I used to tell people like the time it saves me and the time I could apply to do other things to continue growing 
it's so much beneficial. It costs it costs more for me to cook than it does for me to pay for somebody to be there. Because you got to be worrying about what am I going to cook? What ingredients do I need? Do I got to go to the store? And here's the other thing, Eric, is a lot of people underestimate the importance of eating for your energy needed as an entrepreneur. Mm. And a lot of entrepreneurs run themselves down because they're not eating properly. They're not properly caring for themselves. They're eating junk food. And so they're not feeding their body. Mm-hmm. And that was that. that was also important for me too in having an in like to make sure that I'm eating good food that sustains the energy that I need to show up in my business. I love it. So that it's I'm my mom is always like, so what can't you eat now? Because I don't eat gluten. Um okay. all my meat has to be like organic, farm raised, like antibiotic free. I don't eat dairy. Um, don't I eat very minimal processed foods, like maybe salad dressing might be the only like the most I eat in processed mm-hmm. foods and everything else. And so I have dietary guidelines that I eat by. I don't I don't do a lot of sugar. I don't drink juice, just water. Um, so I, it's important for me to have someone who can like fit within those two. Definitely. Because yeah, it, it can be a lot when I'm trying to figure out what kind of meal do I want to make today, even though I don't eat all these things. Cause I wasn't raised that way. Gotcha. So my default is to cook some stuff that I was taught to no, cook. No doubt, no doubt. Uh so it's it's been good. It's been really helpful. Got you. So now I'm about to back bounce back forward. As far as how you're empowering women, mm-hmm. you had your 30 day thing. Like, what can women get out of that? Um, like, as far as like, what's your goal with it? The goal is for women to have the confidence, like, to plan their vision and have the confidence to believe that they are the people or the person that is needed to execute that vision. Mm-hmm. A lot of people have goal trauma where we've set New Year's resolutions or we set these goals and they didn't work out. So we don't want to set goals anymore because we are traumatized by the disappointment. Understood. So helping people overcome that goal trauma and then understanding what obstacles are going to come up and planning for those obstacles, as well as creating boundaries. A lot of people have an issue creating boundaries because they believe it makes them um, appear like selfish mm-hmm. or I don't want to say narcissistic, but it makes them, it makes them appear like less than, um, generous or the way that they want to come off to the world when it actually like having boundaries is being generous to yourself because it allows you to show up for what you want to show up for so it's helping them create boundaries and things that they that help them guide their life and but actually so they look up and like i'm living the life that i wanted to create Mm. i'm not living someone else's life like where am i they don't wake up and say where am i they wake up and say i'm exactly where i want to be so that's the goal of my program gotcha where can somebody listening Fine, 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 get involved with you with this. Yeah, so my fat fine, well, not my fat finance.com, Tanya.Rapley or Tanya.Rapley on Instagram. You want to spell that? They're going to misspell T- your last name. Yeah, I know they are because it's not Rapley. It's Tanya, T O N Y A dot R A P L E Y. That's my website as well, TanyaRapley.com. Um, and, you know, I've been buying my domains and everything. We're setting some things up. I just released a class, Financial Preparing to Be Your Own Boss. That's at bossupandout.com, B O S S up and out. What's that about right there? So that class is about helping you financially prepare for entrepreneurship. If you're a new entrepreneur or aspiring entrepreneur, because there's so many business classes out here talking about how to grow your business, how to scale your business. But I don't think there are enough classes out here talking about how to manage your money as an entrepreneur so you can remain an entrepreneur. So, all right, you, you made a million dollars, but what's your overhead? Have you paid your taxes? Do you have health insurance? Are you paying your team? What is your business structure? Is your structure optimized? What's your budget? Um, Do you have a plan for how you're going to scale? How are you going to onboard team members? And so we really work through the nuts and bolts of like everything that helps you financially um, sustain your business. Got you, got you. Is that like a weekly course? Is that a It's a one-time course. Okay, got you. It's a one-time course. Um, And then people who attend are also getting access to our intensive. So the intensive will be taught um, in like like mid-October. Got you, got you. So intensive. Define what that is. Like I'm actually bringing in an accountant, so they'll actually get to work with an accountant. I'm bringing in an accountant, a business credit specialist, my operations manager for my for my my brands, my entire um, my umbrella is her legacy media. So my operations person who manages my companies, awesome. as well as uh, I'll be there answering questions. Got you. That's what I. Hey, so I've counted four or five businesses. Where we at, Mike? Okay, there it is. Mike said he's I feel like that sounds so bad. No, no, And, like, we got a Toro business. Boom. Now, congratulations on that because you just got the cars recently. Thank you. Yes, yes. Super dope. It's another beast. Mm, Got you. Talk about that a little bit um, in the sense of Toro. Like, like where do you put the cars at? I'm I'm, I'm not familiar with Toro. So, with Toro, my goal for Toro, like, I wanted cars that I would like to drive. 
that okay. I don't want the note for. But we also wanted to bring in additional money. And so my husband, he 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 runs the Toro business, but I was able to buy one of the cars under my business credit. He bought um, one of the cars himself. And we're looking at potentially purchasing more cars. Mm-hmm. thing about Toro is it's not as passive as some people assume, especially when you're just getting started out. And if you are making it automated, you're eating into your profit margins mm-hmm. because you're paying someone to do that work when that you have to pay them. So it's going to mm-hmm. eat into your profits. So right now we are a little more hands-on. Like I've literally been at the car wash vacuuming out the car. And I was like, you know what? This has to end. I'm buying a vacuum for the house so we can wash the cars at our house and everything else. It's the summertime. Let's do it while it's the summertime. Gotcha. Um, but it's, you know, they one of the things they tell you is detach from the cars. Mm. Don't have an emotional connection to the cars because people will treat your cars any type of way. Mm. First time we have a CLA. First time the CLA went out for a rental and came back with damage. That's the Benz, too. Yeah. Like, mm. pretty little thing. Like, we call her, we, so we have all white cars, okay. Snowfleet. And that's um, that's Snow White. Gotcha. So she came back. And I just saw I was like, bro, first rental? Mm. First rental. And we hit the girl up. She's like, oh, I didn't know that happened. Mm. I was, and so that, like, kind of set the tone for just what we have to expect. Comes back with has the AMG kit on it. Comes back tires, road rash, like all over the tires. Ah. Someone drove the CLA to a concert here. Someone bust out the window. So we had, and then we had another rental oh in 24 hours. So within 24 hours, we had to figure out how to repair the window, tint it because we have a black kit on it. So we had to tint the windows because they're like blacked out. 24 hours scrambling to find someone to repair the window and tint it. That's like stressful. That. It is. I was like, man, they can take that damn car. <laughs> I was like, come get this car. I love this, Tanya. It's a different Tanya from the master. From the master. I love I it. I really was like, y'all can take this damn car. But we have a Jeep Gladiator. Okay. Different renter. Jeep Gladiator has gone out the same amount of times as the CLA it does not have any damage. Why do you think that is? Different renter. CLA. Like, like, the CLA. What? Oh, worst of all, the way the car sits. And that's one of the things we've learned. Like, the next car we're getting is high off the ground. Okay. Um, Because our CLA, like, it's... It's lower. It's lower. It's kitted out. Like... People can't, they like the way it looks, but they might not know how to drive it. Everybody's not good drivers. And so um, with our Gladiator, it's a Jeep. It's durable. Like, we have those big tires on it and everything else. And then, I hate to say this, because statistically, women are supposed to be better drivers. Mm-hmm. But our Gladiator, mostly men rent the car. Mm-hmm. And we have not had one issue with our Gladiator. I'm going to need you not to repeat that ever again. I you know. just answered your own question. <laughs> <laughs> I felt so bad saying it. I was like, are nah, women don't really feel bad. drivers? The truth. Hey, we talking. We talk about the truth here. It's I a safe like, place. Women? It's not toxic here. It's the truth. I was like, but I'm a good. Dri- I'm a great driver. I hear you. I'm like, I haven't ever been in a car accident. I never judged you. I'm just <laughs> telling you about the stats. I was like, wow. Yeah. So they're different cars. So now we know my husband wants to expand and get another car because, like, right now our Gladiator has someone who's renting it monthly, mm. and they are covering nice. the note. Plus, like, we have like a sixteen hundred dollar margin on that. And some other nice. let's get more. Uh, so, and we where we park them right now in our driveway. We have oh, extend. We are actually getting our driveway extended. Okay. Um, right now at our driveway, but we've also toyed around maybe buying property, maybe renting out a lot, renting out a location, um, a few office buildings we've been looking at. We could park them there. So we're just we're thinking about what that looks like. Gotcha, gotcha. I've looked into it. Um, I I just don't know that I would be comfortable um, having the cars on on my driveway because yeah. I, I wouldn't. I don't want to be accessible like that, I don't think. Yeah, and it depends on what kind of cars you get, too. You know, I'm like sure. some people run out high-luxury vehicles. I think our next one might be an economy car. And we also live near the airport. So That's for beautiful us, for you, yeah. We are 13 minutes away from the airport. So gotcha. I'm to the point where somebody lands and says, pick me. Some People text me and be like, hey, I just landed, and I can wait 10 minutes and go get them. And they're just walking out. Like that question. So you get a, you charge a fee to pick them up? We do. We charge a fee to pick them up, even though. But if you're not available... Does that hurt you from making money off that? I mean, we are available, though. Okay. Like, because me and my husband work for ourselves. We were on vacation, but um, we just made arrangements for our nanny to, like, drop the car off at the, at the airport parking lot and leave it there for somebody. Okay, okay, okay. So, and our nanny also, we did hire her to do fulfillment for Club Lufa. So we're also very efficient. So Are you cross-training she, in that thing? Yeah. <laughs> and she's good to the point where she went on vacation. I was like... How do we do this? Like I hadn't touched it in so long. I was like, where is everything? How do I fold these up again? And she has value then. Yeah, she's phenomenal. She's phenomenal. So, How'd you find her? I might have to do that. Well, she's been our nanny since um my son was six months. She lived okay. in LA with she lived in LA, actually across the street from us. 
Got you. And you had a personal relationship with her. We did. And then we we were moving to Atlanta and we were like, we're moving to Atlanta. And she's like, I don't want to live in LA no more. Mm. I was like, you want to come? She was like, yeah. It's like, we get space for you in a house. You want to live with us? She was like, yeah. Okay. I want your type of life. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, man. And she's amazing. And one of the things that's really important about that dynamic, though, is like open communication. Mm-hmm. Like really talking to people. And one of um, I really pride myself on all the people who work for me mm-hmm. is I'm really good to people. Like, I'm really understanding. I'm accommodating until it doesn't make sense anymore. Mm-hmm. And so nobody can say that I was a bad boss or supervisor. I wasn't understanding or compassionate. Understood. Because having worked in a toxic work environment, people can choose to work with me or they can choose not to. Like, mm-hmm. there's other jobs out here. And if you're going to choose to work with me, I want to make it as pleasant of an experience. And that even goes to her. We live in a house together. Mm-hmm. So it's like, if you ain't happy, the energy in the house is messed up. Mm-hmm. So how do we maintain this energy? What do you need? Like, what do you need? Do you need time off? Um, even to the point where there things there might I believe in boundaries, but I also believe in flexibility. Mm-hmm. There might be things that are in the contract. I'm like, oh, she's been working. We've been going hard this week, and she's been working. You want the week? Like, you want a couple of days off during the weekday? Nice. Well, and plus, I also like hanging with my son because he's awesome. Gotcha. So I have to like block days out, and I'll be like, look, I'm taking him to the aquarium. Me and him are gonna have a mommy day. Go get a manicure. Get a massage, whatever you want today, just take it off. It's gotcha. not on the calendar, just take it off. Is she always on the clock? No. No, okay. she, I mean, like last night, her and my son made pizza for us for dinner. Um, So she worked a little, worked a little later, but she enjoys him too. Gotcha. Like she's been with him since he was six months. So it's family. Yeah, like she calls awesome. him like her, she calls it like my unborn child. Like she, <laughs> she's watched him grow up, you know? Gotcha, so gotcha. for her, sometimes even off the clock, it's like, Gotcha. Nice. Now, what is your ultimate goal with everything that you have going on? Yeah. Um, I want to sell Club Lufa. Okay. My goal is to sell that. Um, my goal has been to scale it and sell it. Mm-hmm. So um, I want to sell that probably within like two to three years. My fat finance right now, I actually just onboarded my first person who's going to coach outside of me. I just hired my first coach. Okay. So that takes me out of the financial coaching process. She actually was a writer for us okay. for two years. And now we've hired her on as a financial coach. So um, pulling myself out those processes and allowing myself to execute the vision, maybe sell that down the line. Um, my personal brand, I don't know. I enjoy it right now. And the great thing about my personal brand is if I don't want to offer another cohort, I don't offer another cohort. I, I want to say, if I say, you know what, I'm trading full time now, I can't. Mm. So my goal is just think, continue to set things up to be flexible to where I want to be in life. But definitely Club Loop, I want to sell. My Fat Finance, I want to sell. Got you. You gave me a call one time. Yo, Eric, you know, I'm looking to get some real estate, but I got questions. You know what I mean? Questions. Get your questions out. Let's talk. Let's talk about it. Questions, because I just feel like it feels, and before I bought my house, I felt like real estate felt overwhelming. It can be. Bought my house. I was like, this wasn't that bad. People do it every day. You can figure this out. Okay. Now I want to buy a property. Okay. Now I have the money sitting to buy an investment property, and I'm like, where do I want to buy? So that was one of the things you really helped me with. Now, real quick, though, yeah. let's talk about why you want to buy. So I want to buy to build my real estate portfolio. Mm-hmm. I want, I believe, so as a financial educator, I believe in diversifying my assets. Mm-hmm. And I want to have real estate and property as an asset because most of the time, most most of the time, if you purchase wisely, it's going to appreciate. That's an appreciating Facts. asset. But it also helps me build up my net worth for other investments I want to make down the line. I love it. So I'm becoming a accredited investor or if I decide I want to purchase a hotel or go in as a okay. partner for a hotel down the line, I have that net worth there to back it up. I understand. And you could always leverage the equity. I can leverage. Yes, I can leverage the equity. It's just, I mean, you, when we think about most of the millionaires who've been created, a lot of them have been created because of real estate or at least some in lending to something related to real estate. Got you. And so um, I believe in making my money work for me. And I want to do buy and hold. We've talked about We've spoken about that. Flipping ain't for me. Yeah, you ain't got time. You, I saw that video you posted in that house. You posted a, uh, it was like an Instagram reel or something. And you were in a house. I said, ain't no way. <laughs> it gave me anxiety looking at that right. house. I'm not the bird person. The, the uglier the, the house, the more potential. I know. I ain't built for that. I want to walk in and it's pretty. <laughs> like gotcha. Gotcha, gotcha. it's ready for me to just move somebody in. So, no, you know, no, understanding no. what type of investor I am and you really helped me get clarity on that. Awesome. Um, and so look, let's let's talk about our conversation. So basically you was just like you were looking to get rental properties uh-huh. and then for me was to understand how much time you had yes. and how much money. Yeah. Um because it's important to understand those two 
valuable assets mm -hmm. to understand what was the best way for you to go. Yeah. I'm considering everything you currently have. And we didn't know each other like we do today, but I asked you that, you were able to tell me like, hey, I don't have that much time. Mm -hmm. And that's when I um, told you about turnkey. Yes. Um, and buying turnkey, for those who don't know, means it's ready to go. It's pretty. It's ready to and go. Right, and that thing can go on HGTV. It's there ready. it is. There it is. Um, so we, we want it um, ready to go. That means that you would have to have 20% of a down payment for it mm -hmm. typically. So every time that you would get, you know, approximately 20%, you put it down. And then at that moment, you start accruing them. Yeah. When you're ready to retire, then you have all the assets there. You know what I'm saying? So one thing to consider when you do that is that you want to buy everything currently right now, 200000 and under. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because we use in my price range. Yep. Because we use we basically use the 1% rule to rent out. Mm -hmm. So the 1% rule is going to tell you your potential um, rents. Yes. Meaning that if you bought the house for uh, 150000 your potential rent could be about 1500 mm -hmm. And that's kind of how we want to assess it. And which is crazy. And one of the other th helpful things you made me help me think about was the markets. Mm. Because here in the Atlanta market, it's very challenging to get something that's going to fit into that 1% rule. Gotcha. It's not, it's not the best rental market. But then you, I love how in our conversation, there were places I wasn't even thinking about. Mm -hmm. And you were like, Memphis, mm -hmm. it's the heart of America. Like mm -hmm. there's renters and the housing stock isn't that expensive. Mm -hmm. You can really buy there. You're going to have tenants there. Mm -hmm. Or thinking about those Midwestern cities. Because everybody thinks about the bigger cities, but those Midwestern cities. And, you know, for me, you know, we desire emotionally to live near the coast. Yes. Water. That's why the appreciation in LA is crazy. Mm -hmm. There's not enough land. There's no more land. And so houses are just gonna keep skyrocketing. Mm -hmm. The Midwest is not as desirable, but it's more affordable for that purpose. And people still live there. Hundred yep. percent. And they're more blue collar workers in those areas. They're, you know, not to say that they're not entrepreneurs and successful people, mm -hmm. but it's more of a blue collar type of environment. Therefore, somewhere like Memphis is the hub for FedEx, UPS. Mm -hmm. People want to live near the hub. Therefore, if you have rental properties near those areas, like you're going to always have somebody in there that could afford because they have a job. Yeah. And it's affordable. When it's affordable and they have the resources to pay for it, that just gives you consistency. Yes. You know what I mean? That, that's what I want. You know, and, and to be honest, we want long-term renters. And that's another thing I've been learning. It's mm -hmm. like long-term renters, yeah, what yeah. type of house, like look for three twos. Three twos, there you go. Like there three twos, go. like not a three one, but three twos. It's a family. Yeah. You know, somebody has their personal bathroom, the kids have theirs, and they begin to own it. Mm -hmm. You know, it's almost a situation to where like they start taking care of it as like it's theirs for three to five years. Yeah, because they have that pride in being mm -hmm. there. It's not it's not transitional. Mm -hmm. Now, when you start going above 200000 and your rents are like $3,000, I don't encourage that typically. I'm not saying that it can't be done, but I don't encourage that typically because if I could afford $3,000 for rent, I'm just really in a situation where I'm passing by. I'm trying to fix my credit. Something happened, and I'm just trying to bounce back to then purchase. Exactly. So I don't exactly. want you in a situation where you're turning over because when you're turning over tenants consistently, what then is going to occur is you're going to have to make the repairs. You're going to have to continue to paint over and over and things like that. So now it's taken away from your bottom your bottom line. When they're in there for five years, they clean their own carpet. They clean their own walls because it's their house. It's their house. Like they yeah. literally just paying you. Mm -hmm. What? So you're in Indiana. Yep. Indianapolis, Indiana. Yeah, yeah. Would you a, buy anywhere else? Yeah, definitely. I definitely would. But this is what I have systems at home where they work. I got my team. I just kind of keep them working. And I'm going to be honest with you, I ain't supposed to tell y'all this, but I'm real comfortable with my situation. So, like, you <laughs> know what I mean? But I am going to start buying tax liens. Are you? I want to learn about that because when when you're buying tax liens, you have to have all the money up front? Yes. Okay, so you can't finance a tax lien. Yeah, but it's cool, though. I can show you how to get some bread, Tanya. Although, you out here killing it. I can show you how to get some money. But there's always more money to be gotten. There's I, I Yes, pay. but we want to leverage other people's money. Exactly. So, you got an accountant, right? Yeah. Your accountant manages your books. Yeah. Your accountant manages other people with money's books. Oh. Uh-huh. So, you could just say, hey, if you, I'm looking for some money to get some properties. You know, you could literally say, I'm willing to give them 8 to 10% of their money 
and I'll give you 2% if you find or as a finder's fee. Hmm. Now they're motivated to, you know, we could create you a, a private lending package, meaning what you have to offer to your lenders. Yeah. And then you could acquire properties cash. So what would this be considered? What kind of, what is A that? private loan. Oh, a private loan. Yeah, it's okay. from me to you. There's a contract that we put between each other and we get it notarized. So when you're paying back loan. their 8%, is that, if you're doing buy and hold, how are you paying back their 8%? So, so this is what I'm, you, you get, on buy and hold is a little different, but this is what I would do. I would, you want to buy houses cash. The market is so competitive right now mm -hmm. that in Indianapolis, for every house sold, there's 22 buyers. So, so, like, that's just, like, that could be very disheartening, right? Yeah. And time, and time consuming, you keep you keep putting offers and you keep losing. Yeah. But you're lo most people are losing right now because they don't have cash on hand. Yeah, because cash buyers are coming in and taking it. So what if you got money through private lending mm -hmm. you, and, and you basically bought the house cash and then you paid it back to them because you refinanced it. Got so, you. So it's an acquisition. It's an acquisition tool right there, though. Okay. Because now you don't have to use your money, though. So let me. I'm asking. Okay. So I'm curious about this. So you can refinance a tax lien property that you purchased. Mm hmm It basically gets deeded over to you. That's a different process. Okay. So in that situation, um, for a tax, the process to a tax lien means this. It is different in every city, mm -hmm. but the standard. There's a tax, the date, you have the date. So let's just say, for example, it's September 15th. Okay. That's when the, the tax auction is going to happen. Mm -hmm. They're going to have 100 properties. You're interested in 10. Okay. All right. Now, um, your goal is to get at least three of them. So you're going to go get half a million dollars. You're going to turn in that half million dollars. It'll tell you two days before the auction. Okay. That, that means that you cannot bid over that amount. Okay. Um, so now you know the auction is going. Boom, you got property one. You know what I'm saying? You won it. That property was worth 200000 Now you know that you could compete up to $300,000 more. Got you. Okay. Yep. So uh -huh. now you acquired the property. In this situation, I would not negotiate a 10% loan. Mm -hmm. It might be like 3 or 5%. Okay. Because once you get the property, now you just need 30 more days to refinance it with a bank and giving that person their money back. Got you. Even if, even if the house isn't even in the best condition. Nope. I'm now thinking. that's the that's the caveat there, right? So when you're doing that, you gotta have to go to the property, but you, they cannot let you in. So you're looking through windows. Therefore, I would assess the property at its worst condition. Mm. So I'm assuming that if it's a three three two, mm -hmm. I'm those two bathrooms are destroyed. That's six thousand. That's twelve thousand in just bathrooms. Mm. I'm assuming the kitchen is destroyed. We're gonna allocate eight thousand there. That's mm. a basic rental 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 kitchen. I'm gonna assume that the floors are done. Um, if it's thirteen hundred square foot. Um, that's four dollars um, per square foot for the materials for the vinyl plank and the labor. So we're going to assume the worst repairs in conditions where we cannot see the whole property. And you're factoring that into your purchase, right? Repairs we're always factoring potential repairs. So when you are going, now I'm asking all the questions. Yeah. So you're looking at tax lien. So you get do you get a listing of the properties beforehand, and you can go and like say, okay, I'm interested in buying this one. So when it comes up. I'm submitting for this one. Yes. So you check it out beforehand, mm -hmm. and then when it comes up, you're like, that's the property I wanted. Let me go ahead and bid on it. Now, so 100%, right? Okay. You could do that now virtually in a lot of counties because during Corona, or during the COVID, there were no live auctions. So mm. they start going digitally. So you could do this from, you could do this with your Google Maps and, and actually go down the street and actually look at the home like that. Wow, and then you make your offers virtually. Yeah, but that's why, remember, I'm telling you to look at the timeline at the bottom. You yeah. want to make sure that that most recent picture is 2020, 2021. So you mentioned half a million dollars for buying tax liens. I always assume like you can get tax liens for like $80,000 at you can. properties. You can, but this, this is what's happening. You're just paying for the taxes due on the property, so they may start at $5,000. You get the entire property. For $5,000, but... You thinking like everybody else, so everybody else is gonna, the property's value is gonna go up. It's an auction, so by the time it's sold, it's gonna come up to eighty, ninety thousand. Oh, because people, people are buying. It's starting at what the taxes are due, but they understand the true value of the house. Correct. Got you. So other investors are like, nah, that technically, like, that house is worth two hundred thousand dollars. I'm willing to go up to a hundred thousand on this property that started at five. Boom. So what I you would do, do is figure out the ARV. Of the property, the after repair value. Say after repair value. There you go. So if the after repair value you know is two hundred thousand, boom. We always want to buy property. We always want to buy properties seventy percent to ARV. 
Got that means you. the max we're investing in this is going to be one hundred and forty thousand dollars. All right. Now, if the property is beat up pretty bad and we're going to assume the worst repairs, we're going to say it's going to take us sixty thousand dollars for this three bath. I mean, three bedroom, two bath house. Sixty thousand. So, so now that's sixty thousand. Boom. Now we know we have eighty thousand dollars as our max bid. Ooh, got it. Okay. We work it backwards. Yeah. So again, ARV seventy percent to ARV is one forty. We assume repairs, and then we then now we know our max bid value. See, I'm glad we talked about this because my thought was like, you just show up at the auction and start bidding on stuff without doing your research. You just show up. We're <laughs> like, oh, that looks cute, but no, it's work that you need to do beforehand to make sure that you're going to be able to make your numbers on the back end. Facts. Yeah. Otherwise, you'll get emotionally attached to how cute it is, and you're gonna go over. You're gonna overbid. So that's what we yes, have. Yes, you know that would be me. It'd be like, man, she in here losing right now. She don't even know it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that's how we get down with that, man. Got you. You know, so okay. that's so I'm gonna start doing that because um, there's opportunity there. Not everybody is skilled and or understands more th that process. You know what I mean? How long did it take you to work up to that? Um, so I would say that um, my 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 background in investing, I started flipping coming into it mm -hmm. in 2014, 15. And I was making like $27,000 on my first flip, 17, 23. Um, but it didn't make sense. I was making 15, $20,000 a week in her hair. So my time wasn't spent right. wisely at a project for three months for 27. I might as well get a job. So I um, decided that um, I wanted to become a buy and hold investor because my ultimate game was to make sure that my retirement is secure by the age I'm, um, by the time I'm 45. Mm -hmm. So my goal at the time was to get 100 rentals, and I currently have um, right around 18 right now. Okay. Mm -hmm. So I slowed down. I had got sick for two years, and so that kind of slowed me up. But I was buying 10, 11 at a time. Mm -hmm. I was every two months. I was, you know, what I mean, in a new project, and then I started getting other teams. But I slowed down just because I started doing other things. And during pandemic, I started. Um, the Entrepreneur to Entrepreneur, where I teach investors how to get free rental properties. And that 70% equation will uh, allow you to understand if that fits in there. Therefore, you can get the property free. Because you have all this lending, right? Mm -hmm. But any bank is going to give you 80% to ARV when they refinance. Therefore, if you do, if you, your numbers are underneath that, mm -hmm. you're basically getting the property for free. Mm -hmm. But but that's the rehab. But that's the rehab part. I, I know that ain't your route. I just want somebody to do it for me. Here goes my money. Let's just make it work. Got you. But I told you, um, there are people, and for those listening, there are people out there that sell turnkey rental properties. Yeah. Now you could just Google that. Um, you might want to do a little bit of research, um, and get testimonials and or to speak to some of their clients. The reason why you want to do that is just because you want to know what their their experience was buying from them. Mm -hmm. But that is the way that you need to go. Um, Where do you find someone like that? Um, rental um, like I said, you could go on Google, but I am, I'm literally looking at certain areas, Midwest, mm -hmm. just because it's affordable. My money goes so much further. Yeah, I've been looking at um, Birmingham. Alabama. Got you, got you. I know guys that, hours from Atlanta. I know guys that invest in that area as well. You know anybody that's turnkey? Um, not in Birmingham, but we could do some research to get that done. I'm like, I, yeah, I think Birmingham is gonna be the market for me. Got gotcha. you right now. Got gotcha. you. You got people it, down there? I don't. I don't. Okay. It's, it, but it does have significance to me. Okay. But I, I want to invest in the South. And I was thinking about this when I was driving, that for me, investing in the South is significant. Being a black woman whose families are descendants of African-American slaves. Um, I remember I had a speaking engagement in Mississippi. And driving down, I drove down from Memphis. And it's the first time in my life I'd ever seen cotton fields. Mm. And I was like, my ancestors toiled in these fields. And the thought of me buying property there is just so powerful to me. Like buying property in areas where my ancestors once toiled. I love it. So, yeah, I know I want to buy in the South. I love it. I love it. Got you. I know the Midwest, so that's why I'm I'm, I'm good there. But yeah. I am coming down to the South to get some tax liens. Just so you know this, too, they, they have over-the-counters, over too. What's that? So over-the-counter means anything that did not sell. Oh, so anything that did not sell. Basic cleanup crew, like you get the things that. And that's where you really win. Where do you find those at? 
So after, can we go on a field trip, Eric? Like, can we go on an over-the-counter field hey, trip? Hey, we're gonna be hosting masterminds in Indianapolis. You know what oh, I'm saying? Oh, I gotta do it in Indianapolis. Yeah, I wanna yeah. do an over-the-counter. But, but, but you can get the game with me, and yeah. then we could apply it anywhere. Yeah, what that's I'm true. teaching people, they could apply it anywhere. Because everywhere does over-the-counters. Yeah. So they call it a surplus sale in certain areas. Okay. But basically, that's whatever's left, and those are gonna be the ugliest houses. <laughs> but those, that's where that's where the sauce is at. So, you know what I mean? You got me out here spinning the game now. It's about you, though. But it's all good. You know what I mean? We, we, we learn it. We Listen, learning. I'm going to learn. I'm a, about anything, I'm going to learn. Yeah, but I think that for somebody like yourself doing so much, turnkey is the best because, like you said, you want to focus on the things that make you happy. Yeah. But I think that our freedom, when we get older, is what is going to, you know, we're going to be able to see that, oh, okay, yeah, I made a lot of money, but I invested a lot, mm -hmm. and now we can reap the fruits of our labor. And that's yeah. what real estate does for us. Um, and that's what I'm trying to help other people achieve. Even with my like my parents, my mother and father, I'm they're retired from the military. And right now they actually just sold their house in Charlotte, North Carolina. So they and they bought a house outside of Tampa, about an hour south of Tampa. And so they're living with us until their house is ready. And just seeing their freedom. Like mm. my dad, my mom and dad, their freedom Stress and they get to free. play with their grandson. My dad be like, you know, I think I want to go to the shooting range today or Today I'm gonna go out. I'll cut the grass, you know, ride my Harley because he brought his Harley down. Like I'm gonna ride my bike. It's like they don't have to worry about anything. And my dad just had his second retirement this year. Mm -hmm. He went back and worked for the state so that they, he could make sure they were financially good. Good. Mm -hmm. I don't want to wait until I'm sixty to live like that. Facts. Facts. I appreciate it for them, but I don't want to wait until I'm sixty. Nah, to live nah. Like I'm that. trying to do that at forty-five. Right. Five years around the corner. Right. Yeah. I, I want to live like that. Yeah. I mean, and to an extent, there's, I live like that to an extent, but I still got to work for it. And that's nice. one of the reasons that real estate and trading are of interest to me, because I think that as an entrepreneur, you first start by like replacing your income from your previous nine to five. But then the focus is like, I've replaced my income. What's next? My next is like growing my income and allowing my money to work for me. No doubt. And that's the phase I'm in so that where you aren't working for your money anymore. I Come technically still work for my money. Yeah. So that's where I'm at. It's like, okay, how does my money work for me so that if I decide that I don't want to launch a course, if I decide I don't want to take a brand partnership, if I don't want to talk to nobody, I'm still, still good. financially good. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. So, man, before we wrap up, I do want you to remind the people where they could get with you, tap in with you, and, you know what I mean, get all this empowerment, especially for your new endeavor and your new course. You know what I'm saying? Let them know. Yeah. So you can find me at Tanya.Rapley. That's T-O-N-Y-A dot R-A-P-L-E-Y. My website is TanyaRapley.com. And we're making some really exciting changes. So make sure you sign up for our mailing list. Um, You can text me. My text, you can go to Wealthy Text. So that's text with an S at the end, dot com. So Wealthy Text. And you can sign up for my um, my SMS list, my text messaging list, and you'll get updates from there as well. Got you, got you. Now, for you that were listening or intrigued in the real estate conversation that we had, don't forget that we got the mentorshipcalls.com. The mentorshipcalls.com. Basically, from 8 o'clock to 9 a.m., basically every morning, Monday through Friday, we're talking about wholesales, deal acquisitions, financing, credit, and we got a book club. Therefore, you're going to be able to tap in with other investors from all around the country, and you're going to be able to network. You may find your partner in there. So tap in, man. It's free for your first seven days. After that, it's $47 a month. Get in the community. You know, there's power and proximity. So tap in, and don't forget to tell a friend to tell a friend to share this, like this, man, subscribe, and we'll see you on the other side.